0: Video recordings of this podcast can be found on RaisingEquity.org and Raising Equity on YouTube.
1: Hey, folks. Welcome to Raising Equity. I'm Dr. Kira Banks. And today's episode, we're going to talk about political campaigns, how diversity, equity, and inclusion are integrated into political campaigns, and why that's essential as we move forward. And we have with us Julia Leitner, who's director of training at ARENA. I've known Julia for about four years, and she has over a decade of experience in labor and electoral campaigns. And I'm really excited to talk with her today. So welcome,
0: Julia. Thank you so much for having me. It's so wonderful to be here.
1: It really is. And I have to say that you're the first in-person podcast interview that I've done in over two years.
0: And so I'm excited that it's you. I am so honored. So incredibly honored, especially because we have been through a journey of doing in-person and then not in-person events together. So it's fabulous to be back here. Yeah. I mean, because the Arena Academy, I remember, we were scheduled
1: for, I think, Charlotte. Yes. Like everything was booked. Yep and covid was happening and let me just stop before we get into it maybe tell folks about arena academy and arena but i would i just want to say like we really have gone through this journey together cuz that was the first event that i had scheduled that was that pivoted to virtual and yeah. you all said can we do this like is this possible and yeah I, I think you did it successfully but let folks know a little bit about the academy and arena
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for saying that we did it successfully. And so it's been a journey and a lot of learning um, in that process. So yeah, Arena is an organization. Our mission is to convene, train and support the next generation of candidates and campaign staff. Um, And so we do that primarily through our flagship program, which you have been involved with for all of these years called Arena Academy. So Arena Academy helps to train campaign staff. We have tracks for campaign managers, communications, data, digital, finance, organizers, organizing directors um, in order to help them find the skills and also find the community that they need to be successful in political work. Um, And so we get together for five days. Um, you You kick us off with your wonderful session on the first day. And these trainees, we have about 200 about for each uh, academy. They spend five days together learning the ins and outs of politics. Um, And I think what's really important is having them have your session as a basis for how they approach this work um, and really grounding it within equity and inclusion on campaigns. So...
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be curious your thoughts because I know for me when I was first invited to do the session and the one that I do is I typically call it Beyond Unconscious Bias. And I think when I first started doing it, mm-hmm. it was unconscious bias. And I started to just feel like as I was getting to know the organization and, and your really lofty goals – uh, for transforming progressive spaces and, and campaigns. I'm like, wait, no, we need to think beyond unconscious bias because the answer isn't managing our biases. All that to say, I, le- I feel like I am so appreciative because I learned so much from you, from the volunteers and staff and partners at Arena and the Academy, like the, the nitty-gritty of campaigns and, and all the ways in which DEI should be, could be mm-hmm. integrated. Uh, it was, it was like this, this thing that happened, you know, campaigns happen to get folks elected, but like, I didn't fully understand them. And so a long winded way to say, I would be curious your thoughts on, on where DEI can and, and does sit inside campaigns. Um, and I want us to talk a little bit about that. Cause I I've seen campaigns grappling with like, okay, we know it's important, but like, how, what does it look like?
0: Yeah absolutely and i really appreciate that because right so much of your session when we brought you in for these very first academies right we created something that was needed within the space that didn't exist there is no degree that will prepare you to work in politics right there's no campaign management degree there's no technical school for campaigns so much of campaign work is based upon a mentorship model which as we know right like that can be incredibly problematic in the space because do you have a great mentor? Do you have a terrible mentor? Do you have a good manager, a bad manager? Is this somebody who's nurturing and fostering you? Is this somebody who cares about your identity and what you're bringing to the table? Um, And so we wanted to put this program together in order to professionalize campaign work because goodness knows, right, there's so much that hangs upon these elections and these campaigns. Um, And so bringing... In the DEI work, right, I've, as you mentioned in the start, I've worked on campaigns, I've worked in for labor unions for a long time. Um, we didn't talk about this, right? We didn't talk about DEI.
1: Really? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, have you read The "Some of Us, McGee's the book, The Some of Us? She talks about uh, her work, but a lot in terms of like unions and labor yeah. and how much race plays a role, but it's not discussed. And so- yes. It was like an elephant in a room, but it just wasn't talked about. That was your experience? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that was it. Um, You know, we talked about – there was so much that was ideological about working on campaigns, but we didn't talk about race explicitly, right? Um, And so – you know, I would work on incredibly diverse teams. We didn't talk about the dynamics that that created, right? You don't, it wasn't ever overt. It wasn't a face-to-face conversation. And Mm. I think that's begun to change in, in labor unions in particular, Mm. especially Mm -hmm. as unions are trying to, uh, work with workers who are much more diverse. Right. And so, um, I think that there's a lot that's, been shifting within that space. But yeah, this has been something that's like newly injected into this.
1: Um, that's so interesting to me because, I mean, we know, and we talk about this in the academy, that like the dog whistle politics that happens, like how we talk about race, but we don't talk about race, the things we say that are coded. Mm-hmm. We know good and well that there's some unions that, there's some way, there's some industries and some places that that wouldn't unionize because it would benefit folks of color. And it's like, why, why are we doing this? Like the white folks are also suffering. <laughs> like, But this like, they'll take our jobs or they'll take our positions. And so that those dynamics were happening, but we weren't talking about it. Or even like we've seen in different presidential campaigns and at all levels mm-hmm. of politics, race has been a factor, but we haven't been willing to talk about it. And what I appreciate about ARENA is that you all are willing to name it and and to grapple with it rather than let it like bump around and, and affect things, but go unspoken. Because I, I feel like we have, to, if, if we're going to navigate spaces that are more multiracial and, and more diverse in terms of like gender identity, sexual orientation, all of that, we have to see that mm-hmm. and like honor that in people, not try to like squash it out or like minimize it. And it feels like the history of political campaigns has attempted to act like, those don't exist, that it's just about, I don't know what, the campaign, the issue, the candidate. But that seems so counter to like what's actually happening in politics.
0: Yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head. Like there's so many dynamics at play here. One, right, elections are this incredibly odd work environment where you are working towards a finite deadline. You have election day, you don't get a do-over, that's it. Like that is, that's set. And so because of that, it creates a lot of urgency you know what happens with urgency, right? It means people cut corners. It means that people don't uh, take the right approach. And so um, that is always there. The stakes also feel high because so often when we're working on campaigns, right, we really believe in a candidate or we really believe what they stand for. We want that. We see how it affects our families. We see how it would affect our community. It's so personal. And so you have all of these dynamics wrapped up, but the urgency is sort of always there. And so... You know, it means that in the field of DEI and with DEI, oftentimes it gets glossed over because we say, you know, that we don't have time for that, right? Because there's this election day coming up, we don't have time for that. And that creates issues on many levels, right? So there's the personal issue of somebody who works on a campaign where that, where their experience is not valued, is not seen, they're mistreated. There's a lot of things that can happen. You know, within like an HR side of things. But then we bring it out to the broader picture, right? Campaigns are trying to win over diverse groups of voters. Campaigns need to reach people everywhere, right? And so if you don't have staff that are racially diverse, if you don't have people coming from the com- communities that we are trying to win, you're not going to run a winning campaign. And so that there's like so many levels that end up being challenging here yeah
1: yeah because and when i think about that i'm like well yeah you need to you need authenticity in the community right Mm -hmm. like we we don't want just like people handing out turkeys or coming to church services right you want folks who Mm -hmm. really understand the issues of the community and can speak to that in a genuine way not just um pandering right and some of that is about representation, but some of it is about understanding those deep core issues of inequities. And that's what excited me, honestly, and what keeps me coming back to training at the academy is that you all are willing to play in that nuance and don't, you aren't reductive uh, in saying, like, oh, well, so. Because we're all about the campaign day and it's just about getting elected, we're going to play it safe and not talk about these issues. We're not going to talk about transphobia or homophobia. Like We're not going to talk about anti-Asian violence, even though maybe even the candidate of election is Asian-American. And, and then even just knowing like how, we're, how you all are willing to, to, like I said, play in that nuance makes me excited because what I realized— I'll get to my point is that (laughs) with campaigns, yes, there's a finite deadline because there's an election, but there's like this revolving door Mm -hmm. so that somebody will be a part of another campaign. And at first, I felt, I remember feeling like, oh, well, if it's just about this finite deadline, like, are they taking it seriously? How are they integrating it? And we can talk a little bit more about how it explicitly gets integrated. But then when I started to understand that there are people who are like, Kind of like lifers in campaigns and who have mastered it, like you said, there's no degree, but they 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 do it. It's their their art. it's their thing. Mm-hmm. They need to have the mindset, the the they are the right asking the right questions, be willing to to name and articulate what's happening, um, whether they lose this campaign or not. Yeah, or lose this election or not, right? So in some ways, it gave me a little bit more, I don't know optimism right? Because if we know folks will be a part of another right. another cycle, yeah, that it's not for naught if they don't win the election. Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts about how a campaign might integrate DEI? So we talked a little bit about like the HRP. So like you said, and I've heard from a lot of folks, right? Like they might be canvassing for a candidate they really believe in, but they get sent to a neighborhood where they get the police called on them. Mm-hmm. Like typically folks of color get put into a predominantly white neighborhood and they, the police gets called on them. The campaign has sent them out there, but the campaign doesn't do what they need to do to like be proactive or reactive in a way that supports the canvasser, right? So there's that to me is an example of like focusing internally, HR, how do we think about DEI for folks who are on a campaign staff? But then there's also, you mentioned, kind of you need to get votes and the demographics in our country racially and in terms of all sorts of different demographics are shifting. And so there's also kind of like the comms perspective and integrating DEI externally. And I've seen campaigns do both. What are are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think they need to do both. (laughs) Like to your point about authenticity, right? You need to support your staff who come from different racially lived experiences, right? and then you also need to then project that outwards. So yeah, I mean your example about canvassers, that's a big one. But also, you know, to this integration piece, there's a lot more campaigns and a lot more parties these days that are hiring roles like uh coalitions director, like API coalitions director mm. or Hispanic Latino coalitions director or black coalitions director, right? So folks who are Uh, who are supposed to reach out to these communities. They're doing organizing, they're doing different political work. And that's wonderful. Versions of that have existed through some campaigns, but more and more recently, there's a lot more investment in that. That's wonderful. And I think there's a lot that can be done there. And I think the the movement is the right movement, but it also matters how you do it, right? Like, is the Chinese American staffer who you hired to run that program Uh, supported? Do they feel like their voice is heard in the room, right? It's not just about hiring somebody to fulfill a a gap in your strategy. It's about actually who has a seat at the table and are you listening to them? Because right, if you want to incorporate this into your strategy, you actually need to make sure that those voices are heard. Um, And so You know, I think that there's, it has, it's a both and strategy. Like it just has to be a both and strategy in in order to think about, you know, on the side of how are our staff supported in this work, which then translates into, well, how is that, you know, how are we reaching out to voters? What is the message that's being, uh, that's being broadcast, right? Like you can tell, for example, you have a candidate who's not, you know, a white candidate, let's say, um. They should be listening to black people about what the message is for a certain community, if that's the demographic, if that's the group they're gonna try to reach out to, right? And they should do it authentically and they need to do work when they do that. Right. You can't just turn around and expect like people to be with you immediately. And so there's just there's a lot of conversation and exchange that needs to happen within that space.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that sense of urgency. I think that gets in the way, right? People Mm feel like we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Or um, I'm good enough over here. And so I don't need to work. And um, sense of urgency often, like you said, people cut corners. People don't engage stakeholders broadly, which is so counter to what needs to happen in campaigns and what you actually need to win a campaign, right? Yeah. Um, So yeah, that sense of urgency can really get us because we don't slow down to to engage in inclusive decision making. Um, Yeah. I've seen campaigns do one or the other. I haven't seen campaigns, and I'm not like I know all campaigns, but you know, like I've seen them at local, state, and presidential level, national level. And I've seen like a decision to either focus external or focus internal. I haven't seen them fully integrate both approaches. Have you?
0: Not at large levels, not at like the big scales, right? because it's so, so tough. There's so many layers. It's like For anyone who doesn't know, it's, like, your most complicated multinational corporation that is stood up within a year and then shut down within a year. Like, that's the scale that some of these presidential campaigns can take. Each state has its own infrastructure. Like, these are big operations, and there's a lot going on. And I think to that point, you know, a lot of these large campaigns don't get it right. Um, But some of the down-ballot things, I um, actually... Today was election day in California. Ah. Yeah. Um, and I canvassed. I was telling you, I was canvassing this weekend. I yeah. canvassed for a candidate uh, in California for state assembly who uh, is just down the street from me. Um, uh, and and that campaign, the reason why I canvassed was because that, they gave me hope. I, I met the candidate. She's wonderful. Her name is Jennifer Esteen. Um, and she's a nurse at LGBTQ black comes from the community. It's just like, and she's a union organizer. And I, she put me in touch with her field director, the person who's running her organizing operation. And that field director gave off the same sense of like hope and gratitude for this candidate. And so, um, it was a glimpse, right? Like, I don't know the ins and outs of that campaign. I don't want to like speak for what's going Mm -hmm. on there, but I think maybe what I want to, bring this to is like, it stands out when you find those campaigns and you find those moments where there is that resonance, right? Like where you get that authenticity mm-hmm. between who the candidate is, what they're trying to do, who they're trying to represent, and then how their staff is acting and how their staff is approaching this work and also thinking about the candidate. Yeah. Um. And it was, uh, it's rare. and And I can't say I know, you know, I'm sure there are campaigns out there that do live that, but... Mm-hmm it's really hard to find good examples on like a national scale.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would hope listeners if they have examples will share them, right? Yeah. Cuz I don't I don't want to be pessimistic and say it doesn't exist. I want us to have models and and learn from each other. What can we scale? How can we be proactive knowing that these these national campaigns are these major things to like build up, right? Like what could we be doing beforehand? Cuz I'm sure around like finances and other stuff there's infrastructure that makes it easier to to kind of build up a campaign. And so, what do we need to be doing around DEI that also could help and support and and make it integrated and not feel like this like standalone, siloed thing that they they have to figure out, which we don't have time to figure out because we've got to win, right? These are questions we we nec- necessarily can't answer today, <laughs> but I want to lift them. I want to lift them up because I do think or maybe the question is for you like political campaigns we need to be paying attention to, to we need to be paying attention I, I know that historically we've needed to be paying attention but it feels pretty dire right now and so maybe like from your perspective what what are the reasons why this is not just a oh it's nice to do it would be nice to have but that
0: it's needed it's it's pressing it's necessary Yeah. It's because we need people doing this work and, and that's, and it's hard. Um, So my background's in organizing, right? It's, it's about how do you bring people, how do you build and scale relationships and bring people into this work? And, and there's a lot of apathy out there right now, right? There's a lot of people that are like, "The, the world is too much. I just got over, you know, the Trump hangover. I'm still in it some days. And And I'm tired and it feels hard to engage right now. I know like with everything that's going on on national news, right? It's just, it feels like an onslaught. And so I I don't know about you all right now. Like a lot of us are tired. There's a lot. Um, but campaigns need and require the input and the involvement of everyday people, right? And so... My hope is that everyone sees themselves in these campaigns, right? They can see themselves knocking on doors, being happy about the candidate, talking about the message and connecting back to like why this is important to me personally, right? I am knocking on the door. I'm having this conversation with a stranger because I care about what happens in my backyard. I care about what happens in my government. I care about these things. And the only way that we can do that and defeat some of this apathy, I think, is when we have campaigns that are inclusive, that are practicing equity, that are doing these things every day. And for folks that are listening too, it's like, we are a part of that. We're a part of that solution and getting involved in doing this and asking for those changes. Because with politics right now, you're saying it's a it's dire. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. There
1: is, and you know, you just saying that was helpful f- for me. Even so, I have a mentor, Beverly Tatum, who I remember asking her, like, "How do you stay hopeful?" This is post George Floyd's murder. At a uh, webinar with her, and she said, "Hope is a discipline. Mm-hmm. Right? It's something we have to practice. You don't just have it or not." And I remember that and remind myself of it because, yeah, I'm tired. And there are times where I want to kind of throw my hands up and be like, someone else will do that. But you're right. What I say about raising equity is that you have to do it in community. And it's the same thing that you're saying around political campaigning and, and change. And in the social issues in our country, like all that's happening around Roe v. Wade and there's so many issues, climate change, gun violence. Like you could, the list really could go on and on. Um, and I I do think people feel like exhausted, like I can't scream and shout about everything. And so you mentioned canvassing for candidates that, that you believe in, like how else can people get
0: involved? Yeah. I love that question always as a, as an organizer. Um, there's different ways, and I think that's that's a really good thing to know. Is right, you know, each of us has our skills, has the things that we do and don't like to do. Um, and campaigns generally also have those options of how can you get involved. So there's knocking on doors, my personal favorite. I really like talking to people. Um, there's making phone calls. There's sending text messages. Um, there is donating, of course, to candidates uh, because essentially, right, campaigns need funding in order to get their message out to more voters and to hire wonderful people and make sure that those uh, people have the support and the resources that they need to do their jobs well, to have literature that's written in Mandarin, that's written in Tagalog, that's written in Spanish, right? All of those things require resources. Um, and so there's a lot of ways to get involved, to volunteer. Um, I think it's a really important and empowering act to go out and and get involved in local races. Um and then, you know, I think there's also ways to get involved with different groups. So if a candidate isn't speaking to you in your area, right, you don't feel represented by that person and it's and you live in an area where, you know, the the income or where someone challenging them isn't going to uh, make it right. It's just too red of a district or it's too blue of a district, whatever it might be. Um Or you're in a place that's very safely one color, right? And so you maybe don't feel as engaged by a certain candidate. But these issues, right? Like there are the groups that go out there. There's the Sunrise Movement on climate, right? There's uh, Moms Demand Action. There's all of these different groups that are working specifically on advocacy for issues that get involved in elections, that get involved, right, in How do we elect people? And so I would just say that, you know, if there's not a candidate that speaks to you, look into who are the major organizations that are involved in the issues that you care about. Go find them because they also have these volunteer opportunities, opportunities to donate, opportunities to get involved um, because it takes that. Like, I wish there was a way that I could tell you, you could just sit on your couch and be happy and healthy and like be able to do these things. But it really does take Um, a form of action in order to, to realize this change. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You got to find your lane. Cause Mm -hmm. I was just watching some folks who were uh, engaged in activism around Roe v. Wade and my body, my choice, and a lot of activism around gun, gun violence and reform um, just given the string of mass shootings that we've had. And so, you know, you see folks who are kind of out there and I think sometimes people feel like, oh, if I can't do that, that I'm not an activist or I'm not engaged, and so for folks to remember that there are a whole host of ways that you can get involved. Um, and even as I have been involved with arena, like seeing folks run for office, because that's part of the issue. Sometimes people feel apathetic because they feel like, well, the person who's running doesn't reflect my my values, and it could be for a whole host of reasons, like you said, maybe it's about the place where they are and uh, the way the politics are, but like. There, I've seen people put themselves out there, mm-hmm. and it's exciting. I can imagine scary for them, but like super exciting. Have you seen people like this woman that you just mentioned, you know, jumping into politics where historically you might not have seen a black queer woman who's a nurse, like has a day job, running for office, but people are kind of saying, yeah, like
0: I can do this. I need to do this. I want to do this. Yeah. We need more people to to take that step. because you know, thinking, how is the system set up in politics? It's set up for somebody who is cis white male to be successful in politics. Like that's just the way that this system has been created. Um, and it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of movement and a lot of push to have people who, are, who don't look like that, don't identify that way, take the leap into saying, I can see myself Running. I can see myself in this position of power. I can see how this would affect me, my community, and what I want to do with this. But we don't like our government. (laughs) Take a look at any single governing body in any state at any level. It is still not representative of the diversity of that state, that city, that county. I can promise you it's just not representative. And so anyone who who goes against those dominant identities, right? who decides to take that leap. Like I want to be here for you. I like there's there you are so needed if that is what you choose to do because we have to break down these ideas of what does power look like, right? You continue to see leadership that looks the same and that becomes our assumption and takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of effort to break those, those images. Um, and i I will spend the rest of my life supporting people who are trying to do that, right. Who are Mm -hmm. trying to break down those dominant ideologies, those dominant visions of power, because I think one, our country doesn't look like that. (laughs) This is, you know, we think no legislature, no state legislature in the United States has a 50, 50 gender breakdown.
1: Really? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So like even on basic level, right, we think about that. And then you think about the structures of racism on top of mm-hmm. that. And, you know, the, the statistics aren't great. Right. So there's a lot of work to be done in that. And I'm really happy that ARENA has provided that space where people, and I think through your training too, right, where people begin to say, oh, I can see myself doing this, right? I can see myself running. I can see myself taking a leap, um, and those people need anyone else's support, right? <laughs> they need our support. They need that encouragement. They need that lift to say, yes, you can do this. We're here for you. We believe in this vision that you're doing because I I cannot even begin to explain like all of the pressures that are on somebody, um, a person of color, somebody who's queer, somebody who is breaking the general dominant mold of uh, politics. There are so many pressures on that person. Um, and they deserve all of our support and they need all of it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really feel like it's, it's a, it's important. What you're saying is, is so essential in terms of representation and supporting those candidates and we can't wait for things to change for things to change. Right. So when we think about part of what I get excited about is that at arena, there are folks from all sorts of backgrounds and so, yeah, they're white het men who are in the training because they also need to understand these issues and learn how to share power and what it means to center those most impacted and to listen to the voices of others and all of that, right, that we can't wait until we have that 50-50 representation or a representative legislature to expect something different. And so I really, uh, that's part of what excites me about doing the training. It's like, if I can be like a small piece, a small sliver, plant some seeds in the minds of folks who are going to be shaping our political landscape for years to come, I'm here for it. So I thank you for engaging me and continuing to engage me in the
0: academy. Always, always. Uh, It's just, it's such an honor to have you in this work and You know, you were foundational to it, right? As you said, you've been here since the very first one. I remember sitting in a room uh, with other arena staffers when we were like coming up with this idea. And, you know, up on these poster boards, we have, who are we going to work with? We're going to work with Dr. Banks. And, you know, because this is just, it's been a big gap in this space and the vision that you bring, what you can teach, what you have been teaching is just so essential. And I'm so glad that it's permeated now into this political space. Um, and I I will do every opportunity that I have to keep bringing you back into uh, this political space with us because it's, um, it's so needed and we're so grateful.
1: Yeah, it is. And I'm just, I'm really curious and excited how we, f- and we, I mean, collectively figure out how it gets integrated and how it doesn't just stay this kind of like third rail that we don't touch or if we're willing to only in this very circumscribed way. Um, To me, that's part of what's exciting. It's like, how do we reshape the built landscape so it is more fair and just and equitable? So how do we think beyond unconscious bias, right? And yes, we need to be mindful of the biases that we bring to the work, but um, what about those systems and structures and how things are set up? How can we shift those? So- yeah, it's not just about the individuals in a campaign, but, like, how it gets built, how it gets set up. So I don't have the answers, but I think we, like you said, in community together will have the answers. And you might come up with the answers as you go
0: to grad school and figure it all out and, <laughs> and study the – what are you going to study? Um, I am very interested in the gender wealth gap. Um, and then drawing on my uh, background with unions, I'm really interested in women-led industries, particularly women of color-led industries. Uh, those tend to be childcare, right? Those tend to be in teaching, nursing, all of these, because uh, there's a lot of power there. And why does this gender wealth gap continue to persist if there's a lot of um, resources and power? So. Yeah, I'm very interested in um how do we tackle these and and excited to spend some time in um in academia cuz it's been over 10 years um out in the field. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But that field, that time in the field will so inform the questions that you're able to ask, the yeah you know, the level of complexity that you'll be able to bring to how you analyze the data that you collect and the people that you talk to. And so it'll be, I can't wait, honestly, that we need folks who are willing to like not just be in the academy, but also be practitioners. So I'm excited for
0: you. Thank you. I'm so excited.
1: If folks want to follow you or
0: Arena or the Academy, how can they do that? Yeah. So um, definitely check us out if you're interested in training. If you know anyone who would be interested in coming to a training, um, our website is arena.run. And we regularly update with our newest trainings. We're doing some in person. We also uh, will have some online as well. Um, So we have that. And then we are... uh, If you check out hashtag Arena Academy, you'll be able to see some of the action of what goes on in the trainings. Um, And so follow us at Arena Summit is the other hashtag or is the other um, is our social media. So at Arena Summit, hashtag Arena Academy. But most importantly, check us out on arena.run. And I hope you would join us at an upcoming training. Great. Thank you. And thank you for
1: joining us. I hope you learned or thought about campaigns in a different way, maybe learned about the different aspects of it, thought about how DEI might be integrated, maybe even come up with some ideas about how you can get engaged in a campaign in your local, state, or national level, because it really does take all of us to shape the change that we want to see. So you can follow me on Dr. Kira Banks on Instagram and Facebook, Kira Banks on Twitter. Thanks for joining me on Raising Equity.